Namaste. Welcome to Call and Response Podcasts with Krishnadas, where he shares meaningful stories of his life on the path, of his Guru Maharaji, and integrating spiritual practice into our everyday lives. Call and Response Podcasts is an offering of the Kirtanmala Foundation. The foundation is dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba, a great spiritual teacher of India. If you are interested in supporting this podcast and the work of the foundation, please visit kirtanwalafoundation.org K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org So practice, you got to do practice. I'm sorry, you just have to. With our eyes open and our hearts open. But through a practice, you're, you're, you get used to coming back from being it's more like an ability to let go. Namaste, everybody. Can you send some chai over from uh, India? I didn't bring my tea this morning. <laughs> from the train station only. Best chai. So, nice to see you all. And anybody have anything to say? How are you? Right. I'm doing good. How are you? Good morning, I guess. Thank you. It's a little early for me to be. But you're not a morning person. (laughs) I don't go to sleep till like three or four in the morning. When everybody gets up, I go to sleep. Right. (laughs) So, my question I have at least two questions because I've been waiting for a long time, like past chai and chats. (laughs) So, the first question was that Ram Das, in his one of his talks, he said that eventually not having something turns out to be more interesting than having something. Not getting what you want turns out to be more interesting than getting what you want. Ah, this is what Engrazio calls wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so then your question is, what my question is, what Kisi Pahar is you? Arunachala? Arunachala, yeah. Ah, <laughs> so, what is the question again? You know, is that true? I, I wanted you to no, no. I can interpret that in my model of thinking, but I because you were more aligned to who Ramdas was, so you can probably better explain what he meant by that. Because I, in my set of morality and the set of values, I can interpret that. But I need to know what you think of that. You know, I think he was talking from a point of view of spiritual practice. When you deny yourself something that you want, or you don't take it, then you see all your stuff immediately. You start thinking, obsessing about it, then you start thinking about it. It brings up everything in you that wants to grab onto something. Uh, I think that's really what he meant. It wasn't, it was pretty, pretty Maharaj used to say, you want it, don't take it, like that. <laughs> so, of course, who's, who's capable of that? Not me and not most people. But when you don't immediately take something that you want, when you go for instant gratification, when you don't do that, you see your reactions. You see how attached you are to something, how much you're invested in trying to grab something outside of yourself in order to get happy. So... I think it's just a practice issue, not really in terms of daily life and going through the day in relationships, but 
with people and things, but in, internally, if you don't immediately go for something and grab it, you see the part of you that continually obsesses about it and wants it and can't let go. And then you start dealing with that place within yourself. And that's good work. It's good work. So, Orkuch. The second question was about the prayer. And it says that Yetret Raghunath Kirtanam So, that probably means that wherever there is a kirtan for Bhagwan, Hanumanji probably shows himself in one form or another. So, in your 50 years of kirtan, has anybody ever come up to you and said that they might have seen Maharajji <laughs> in any form? There. Uh, you know, people who have their astral eyes open, so to speak, you know, there, and can see other planes of consciousness. They always tell me that whenever I sing, Maharaji comes and sits right next to me and plays with me and laughs and pushes me around and everything while I'm singing and stuff like that. But I don't see that. I don't have those experiences. It's nice to hear that even if it's a fantasy, I like it. <laughs> I'll take it. That's all. That's all I can okay. work upon. <laughs> process. You know, I sang in Tiruvannamalai at the Raman Ashram a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, I, I saw that part. Yeah, so that when you were in Delhi. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> I was so shocked they invited me. It was really <laughs> amazing. Uh, yeah. Okay. That, Thank that, you. that was the first time you sang in Delhi too, right? No, I think I had sung in Delhi before that. May, first oh, time was... Not in 2015, I no? I think it was. Maybe it was, right. yeah. You know better than me. I just wake up and mope <laughs> around all day and then go back to sleep. I don't know what time it is or what day or what year. No, that's good. I thank you. Hello. Thank you, Nina. Thank you, Krishna Das. It's great to see you this morning. Uh, I thought you must be in India because of the time. I thought, well, there's Krishna Das is going to be up at 10.30 in the morning to, <laughs> to yeah, sing I my got it. Yeah, I, I, I thought I, so, too. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I just want to talk a little bit about the times and get your take and some advice. So, in the United States here, I'm in San Francisco, um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot going on, and a lot of it is scary, and a lot of it is good. Um, and they... I guess those things are not mutually exclusive. Um, so, you know, a lot of us are feeling a little torn with, you know, being told to stay home to be safe from the pandemic and having these wonderful peaceful protests going on that are long overdue. And I feel like we have a real momentum and change opportunity uh, for the better. Um, but I also want to, you know, be concerned about my own uh, not getting too much caught up in outcome. Um, and I don't want to create more karma for myself or others. And it sort of brings me back to the, the part of the Bhagavad Gita where um, Ram is about to go into battle, but is, his heart is broken and he, he can't go and kill his basically other family members. 
and I'm wondering if that's if there's a lesson there that I could work with, um, or if you have any other perspective. So that's that's what I'd like to talk about. Well, there's a lot of lessons there, <laughs> more than I could even ever understand. One thing that Sri Krishna says to Arjuna says, when Arjuna says, "I can't go kill my families," you know, they're, they're all my my relations. I can't do that. Uh, Sri Krishna says, "You." Your words sound wise, but are they re is it real wisdom or not? And then Krishna begins to unpeel, peel off the layers of delusion until finally, by the middle of the Gita, he shows him his true form. And then it, keeps on, it goes on after that as well. So that first chapter, you know, they say that every chapter of the Gita is is a yoga. So the first chapter is called the Yoga of the Desolation of Arjuna, which is the first step in, on the path. You, don't, you, can't, you can't move. You can't, everything you want to do seems to be wrong. You're, you're required to do things that you feel required to, to throw out attachment. But you, it's my family. What are you talking about? How do I not be attached? So you seem to be fighting with yourself. But Krishna gradually shows him, uncovers the truth for him. And then he, he sees that, that the right thing to do in his situation is to fight. But he has that experience himself based on his, the visions that Sri Krishna gives to him. So for us who are stuck in chapter one. <laughs> in the preamble. I think. Yeah, it's like, wait a minute, how do we get to chapter two, you know? So first of all, in terms of the pandemic, you have to be healthy. You can't do anything without a body on this plane. So that's, you don't want to jeopardize that. So step one, of course, we don't want to jeopardize our our, the health of our body, because without a body, we'll be, uh, we won't be here able to do anything at this point. So that's step one. Step two is about the social action. The situation is horrific. You know, this, this, is, this racism has been going on since day one, and it has to be rooted out, and has to be destroyed, and it has to a new way of incorporating all, all of us into a righteous and just system has to develop. So everybody has to do what they're called to do from their own part. Uh, so you have to see what, what works for you. You're the only one who, who knows. Nobody else can tell you. You have to listen to your heart and find out what's right for you. Uh, there are other ways to help other than go into the streets necessarily. Plenty of things that can be done without going to the street and jeopardizing your health. So, um, this is no different than every day. It's just becoming more apparent. This has been going on in America and in the world all over for many, you know, since day one. So, you know, I forget who it was. I think it was 
the poet Kabir, maybe that Maharaji quoted, he said, you know, you can do whatever you do, but you don't throw anyone out of your heart. But that's, heart. that's a multi-level <laughs> statement. Because sometimes in order to, to, you have to say no to certain people, or you don't have to say it with anger. You can say it with force, but if you're caught up in emotion, then you're creating karmas. You're always creating karmas. Every thought is karma. So you have to choose what actions you, you uh, you have to choose what actions you perform based on what you feel you want to happen. But even so, the results of our actions are not up to us. What's up to us is to do what we do 100% or give ourselves fully to it. But whether it works out the way we imagine it's going to or not, that's not up to us at all. So with that in mind, you go ahead and fight just like Arjun had to fight. The key to, the, to that whole thing is, uh, just to backtrack a little, in the Mahabharata, which is where the Bhagavad Gita is from. Uh, before the war, uh, both, both Arjun and Duryodhan, the bad guy, supposed bad guy, go to ask Krishna to help on their side. And so Duryodhan gets there first, and he sits at Krishna's, Krishna's asleep. So Duryodhan gets there first, and he sits at Krishna's head, by Krishna's head. Arjun comes in right afterwards and stands like this at Krishna's feet. So Krishna wakes up, and he sees Arjun first. Then he sees Duryodhan. So... Duryodhan says, I came first, I get to ask what I want first. Krishna says, you came first, but I saw Arjun first, so what I'll do is I'll split, I'll split myself in two. Either you can pick me, or, and I won't fight, or you can pick, you can have all my warriors, the greatest warriors, and uh, somebody just dropped their chai. <laughs> Tragedy. <laughs> yeah. Or you can, or you can have my my whole army, you millions of the greatest warriors in the world. So Duryodhan said, "I'll take your warriors." And at that moment, the fate was sealed because wherever Krishna is, there's victory. So we want to be with Krishna, regardless of what we do. We want to have that awareness in our hearts as deeply as we can according to how, you know, how we see the world and what kind of practice we've done in our lives and where, where our vision is. We want to be with Krishna regardless of what we do because there will be victory. And who is Krishna? Krishna is our own true nature. So we want to follow our own truth as best we can and recognize that real victory may look different than most people think it will look. And that's just the way it is. Not everybody gets what they want, even if they go fight for it. Because there's a, a logic behind the whole thing that's functioning. And uh, we're not in charge of that. But that doesn't mean we don't fight. 
we fight and we give it our all. The thing about Arjuna, which made him the greatest warrior, was that he had full concentration power. He was able to give himself fully to what he was doing. There was no distraction. Boom. And so that's how we need to act. And if you're angry and emotional, you're not going to be able to give your full... You're going to be... You know, you're going to be... Uh, Churning, churning inside. So, but this is you know it's very hard to talk about this stuff with most people because most people don't un, don't even feel that there's anything to find in life besides pushing re, reorganizing things on the physical plane. What to do? We have to each live by our own truth, our own understanding of things, and do the best we can. Where in San Francisco are you? I'm in Noe Valley. Very nice place. Yes, very nice. Very close to uh, Integral Yoga Institute. Um, yeah, yeah. The classes there. They do remote classes right now. Very so. good. I love it out there. I lived out there for a long time. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Hey, Katie. How are you? Hello. How are you? Hi. This is this is unbelievable. We saw you last Thursday and then uh, we, we thought, you know, we'll do a chai and chit chat with you. And uh, so this is awesome. Um, my question was as a young 20 year old KD, going back as a young 20 in his young 20 years. I was years, an old 20 year old already. Thank you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what made you um, motivate to take this leap of uh, journey to India or, you know, just as that young guy who back, like being from India, we usually are in that, you know, parents tell us, you know, you have to be an engineer, you have to be a doctor. So we are kind of trained and being th the 32 years old right now I am, I, yeah. it took me last four years to kind of understand what really matters and uh, kind of focus on the spiritual side of life, right? As a young 20-year-old KD, what made you to kind of take that progression towards this journey? You know, I remember when we first got to India, you know, there weren't a lot of Westerners there yet. It was uh, August 1970. People looked at us like, what are you doing? How could you leave the country of everything for this country of nothing? You know, they, yeah. they, they just, you know, and we just looked like, at, we looked at them like they were crazy. The country of everything sucks, you know, <laughs> what's wrong yeah. with you? There's nothing there but stuff. There's no love there. There's no happiness. There's no peace. That's what we want. We don't want that shit. So it was like that, you know, but on a personal level, I always, my whole life, I always felt something was missing. Everything was just slightly out of focus. I don't know how to explain it. No matter what I did, I wasn't, uh, I couldn't connect. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel anything. Um, I, I was just looking for something, you know, and I guess it was my friend gave me the first book I probably read about this stuff was the Gospel of Ramakrishna. I just couldn't believe it. You know, it's like, 
wow, I want that, you know? And uh, yeah. it, there was no question about what, what, it was like everything over here is like a small little 10 watt bulb and, and this other stuff was like the sun. There was like, I want that. It's just, and I guess on one hand, you could just say it's, it was karmic ripening, you know, it was a, of some mm -hmm. little degree. But there was no, and I, when I left for India, I was never coming back to America. I gave, I left, I, I sold everything I had. I gave my genes away, you know? Yeah. But, and of course I didn't tell my mother that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, also in America at the time, it was a very wild time. It was a very, uh, there were a lot of changes going on in the culture. People were starting to look for a deeper meaning in life. Mm -hmm. The fifties had been so gray, you know, so repressed, so, uh, you know, shirt and tie and, and no emotion and it just, so yeah. by the mid sixties, things were starting to change. People were looking for something deeper. Mm -hmm. It was like a whole wave, you know? So, uh, I was at a, when I was in college, uh, I, we, there was, they showed a movie, the, uh, Padar Panchali. It was Satyajit mm -hmm. Ray's first film. It was part of okay. the Apu trilogy the first, and I, I was like, I could not, yeah. everything was familiar, the way people moved, the way they talked, the way they spoke, the way the, the jungle looked. I was just like, mm -hmm. it was like a memory. I, everything was so familiar. And then there's one part in the movie where a very emotional part and the mother in the film raises her head to, to cry out in grief. And she opens her mouth, but instead of her voice, you hear one note on the sitar. It goes, bang, like this. My mind shattered at that. And I said, I'm going to India, like that. <laughs> yeah. Just like that, yeah. And it turns out that was Ravi Shankar. One yep. note on the sitar. He, made, he did the soundtrack for that movie. So wow. was, he just went, you know, instead of her voice crying out, her daughter had just died and she was raising up. It was just completely cracked me in half. Yeah. I don't know. I was just pulled, totally pulled to India. That's, yeah. that's the way it is. Which is why I, mean, I can't speak Hindi because I think <laughs> I should be able to. So I don't want to study. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> I speak baby talk, you know. <laughs> you are you you speak pretty well i must say yeah for the four <laughs> words i know i say them well thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you yeah it's fun it's fun in a taxi cab in new york I, I put my baseball hat down like this and i start talking to the guy <laughs> looks around like hey, who's that yeah <laughs> so, right. nice talking to you nice talking to you thank you bye-bye um around us i met you and um I came to Maui in 2014, but uh -huh. it's nice to see you. Thank you. You too. Was Which it, part of India are you from? No. Oh, no, I'm in <laughs> Georgia. It, I, I do have to say that um, it was a very transformational experience after I came back from the Maui retreat. You, um, 
like my life completely changed for the better. So um, it was, you know, so it was a great experience. Um, well, I went to, uh, since then, um, a couple of weeks ago, my mom passed away. Um, it wasn't sudden. It wasn't from the um, pandemic or anything. It was just natural. You no, know, she was 85. Um, and I'm having a hard time. I'm really struggling with it. And I know when you talk about detachment and all that, but it's difficult with your mom when she, you know, she dies. Sure. So I was just wondering if there's something general kind of advice. I don't know, like, you know, in the practice of, you know, when I try to do the work of detachment, but it's just so hard when you feel such powerful feelings of the loss of your mother, you know, oh, yeah. and we did it. Also, I, I did play your chanting right after she transitioned, by the way. Uh-huh. So, um, don't, don't, don't even think about detachment. It's not something you think about. Think about love. And, and stay in that feeling of love with her. The love is always here. The bodies come and go, but mm-hmm. the love never dies. So you stay with that connection feeling. And that brings you detachment from the loss of the physical body. You don't try to stop feeling. You can't stop feeling. That's, that's, that'll never work. But what you, what you, what you really want is to re, be remembering that love in a way they, they say remember in India, which means to, to just keep reimmersing yourself in, that, in the fact that the love is still here. And where is it? It's inside of you. And that's where she is. That's where she's always been inside of you, even though it looked like she was outside for a while. When you feel, sometimes I'll still experience like pain of missing her, you know, something will remind me of her and I feel the love, but then I'll feel love and I feel pain because I can't see her anymore. Don't, don't be afraid of the pain. That's quite normal. You're a human being, I think. So there's no, you just allow the pain to come and then it will also go. And as time goes on, the love will overshadow the pain and the pain will disappear, dissipate. Uh, You just have to allow it to be. If you try to squash it down, Mm -hmm. it just creates tension and you make yourself sick for no reason. The pain is actually, there's a, in devotional practice, the pain of separation is the connection. Because if you have that pain of separation, you're not really separated. You're, you're, you're thinking, you're fully involved with the being that you're thinking about. But yes, you know, bodies come and go. And, and as human beings, we, we, we hurt a lot. But as time goes on, that, that transforms itself into feeling the presence. Like my dad died in 80, late, maybe 88 or something like that. No, 88? 98, 93, so I don't know. Yeah, my mother died in 93, uh, 2003, my father died in 2008. Mm-hmm. But I feel their presence very strongly. Yeah. And I don't, of course I miss the physical, even still, but it's overshadowed by the, by the presence, by the fact that I feel the love and I allow myself to feel the love. That's another thing you have to do. You have to allow yourself to open to the pain or you won't let yourself feel the love either. It can't hurt you, it just hurts, but it can't do any, it can't, won't destroy you. 
You cry, moan, walk around, bang your head against the wall. It's all okay. Because that, you're actually with that person at that time in your mind and in your heart. And after a while, the sting of losing the body uh, calms down a lot. Um, I know this sounds a little bit weird, but I actually worried about her. Like when we saw her and like she, you know, she transitioned. I wor- it's almost like a, a ridiculous kind of question, but I like worry about her. My brother, the first time I was worried about her being alone. <laughs> no, she's not alone. She's with all the other beings who are just around like all of us. Uh, she's, she's, you know, just because you don't have a physical body don't mean you don't have a body at all. She's still an individual with a with a some type of body whether whether she's reincarnated in a physical body yet or she's in a subtle body it's like a dream world and it's like this world is like a dream world but we think we're in the dream you know so don't think she's alone she's not alone and she's not she, she's not suffering any more than she suffered here mm-hmm. and probably a lot less yeah I agree with you on that. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. My pleasure, really. Just you have to let yourself feel, or or your 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 you're pushing things away that that, and your mother wants you to be happy, of course. So you you're breaking your connection with her with that by pushing the feelings away. Allow the pain to come. Allow Mm -hmm. it to go, and feel the love all the time. That's the practice. That's spiritual practice. It's not a pain. It's not a waste of time. It's not a side trip. Another part of the practice, another like lesson? Or... Yeah, it's your life. Your life is your path. It's not something else. Your life is your path. So okay. Live it. Okay. Nice to meet you. Nice meeting you too. Where are you? In Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. We go down. We used to go. We used to go down to Chantlanta. Chantlanta. Yeah, it's a big chanting weekend down there. Oh. But I don't. It won't be this year for sure. But maybe next year. But I'm really from New York. I just. I actually moved here because my mom was sick. So I'm a real basically a New Yorker. I'm uh-huh. transplanted here. I've only been here eight months. Oh, okay. It takes getting used I- to. I'm actually, I'm, I think from where you are, I'm from Long Island, originally. Before where? Well, I grew up in Smithtown and Quorum. Oh, near Stony Brook. I used to go to Stony Brook. Oh, I, I graduated from Stony Brook. Yeah, very good. We're alumni. Okay. And my, my mother died in the Stony Brook Hospital. Oh, she did? Oh, okay. Looking out over the campus, and I was thinking, my mother died from my sins. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because Stony Brook was a wild time for me. Very depressed, very unhappy time. But that's where I saw that movie, the, the, the Such a Ray movie that I just talked about. That's Stony Brook. Okay. Thank Take you care. very much. Thank you. Be well. Actually, my whole family is listening to you right now. And we are all crazy for your music and everything. My question is, uh, I was introduced to, to Maharajji through this book, Miracle of Love. And what I felt reading that book, especially the death part, the last few chapters of that book, where Ramdas is explaining uh, what happened after he died and what happened to so many people around him, I felt I felt um, incredible amount of grace 
i cannot deny it uh, neither my mind was able to you know ignore or get away from this that okay there is nothing it's just an old man dead i felt so much of grace and then i thought okay i want to chase this i want this all so i started visiting kenji i would travel 20 hours uh, three times i went there in a matter of one month nothing happened i was more disappointed i was frustrated in a temple i was disturbed i was trying to i was doing hanuman chalisa 50 times i was trying to sit still focus on my breathing i was doing everything i read your book and it's like i saw just a week before i saw your documentary i'm sorry if i'm giving you the background a little longer ha huh. uh, while you're talking it, there's a big spider about to attack me over here <laughs> exactly same kind of feeling i get <laughs> exactly so the first chapter of mahabharata stuck in about maharaj i got a hint of it i got a taste of it and i want it all and i'm not getting it i want to feel his grace the way he loved you i want to feel that again i felt it for a moment and i left it it, it just i read all the books of ramdas i read your books so how did you manage you said in your documentary that it, it took me 21 years to finally be who i am today i don't want to wait for 21 years i i got a hint of something i wanted well too bad it's not up to you isn't it it's not you're not running the show dude you know you can want this all you want but when grace comes it comes and you sound it sounds like you've already tasted that grace the lights have gone on for a minute and you saw there's a door on the other side of the room and then the lights went off again now it's your job to find the door you can't sit in the corner and say i want to find the door i want to find the door you have to go find the fucking door so go find it which means calm your mind open your heart think about other people love everyone serve everyone remember god that's the practice do some japa do some breath things relax take it easy and don't think about yourself all the time boring yeah but it's not easy you can't we can't just stop thinking about ourselves so you have to do some spiritual practice some japa some some you know uh you have to cultivate that love in your heart because that's where that is that's where maharaji is in in your own heart not as somebody else but he's there as you who you are who you really are right now you're stuck in your thoughts and so uh and you want somebody else to to uh, to change that nobody can change it only you can so uh do some japa repeat the name and things will change at their own rate according to your own karmas and and what's best for you but um you know read about do read about ramana maharshi you know who he is maharshi raman from tiruvannamalai arunachala read some of his teachings try to get a feeling for what the path is really about it's not all about you believe it or not uh and and try to uh get a taste of what kind of work you need to do on yourself you know 
you say you want uh, you want that grace. Uh, Maharaji said, purify and wait for grace. So our job is to clean our hearts, which means to calm your mind, calm your thoughts, and start to uh, think about other people as, as much as yourself, if not more. And uh, start to get a feel of, of what, you know, what, what's required of you to become a good human being. Because that's what an enlightened being is, a perfect human being. They're not inhuman. They are real human. So that means dealing with everybody in your life in a good way and treating people well and putting others, if not first, at least on the same level as you are. there's nowhere to go to get this. It's already within us. So that's where we have to look for it. And uh, here's, here's a line, here's from the Bhagavad Gita. I am always with all beings. I abandon no one. And however great your inner darkness, you are never separate from me. Let your thoughts flow past you calmly. Keep me near at every moment. Trust me with your life because I am you more than you are yourself. Okay? Chill out. You're never away from Maharaj, you're never away from Ram, you're never away from God because God is looking through your eyes right now. But you don't see what's looking, you only see what is seen. You only hear what is heard, you don't hear the hearing. You don't see God, you don't experience that awareness, pure being within you. That's where it is. That's what it is. So, find a way to be happy in life, even when we don't know what we're doing. Because you never really know. Surrender means surrender. If we ask God to do it, then we haven't surrendered. If we don't accept where we are, and rest at ease within ourselves, then we haven't surrendered. <laughs> and we're still trying to get somebody to do something for us. It's all inside of us already. So just do some, do some meditation, just in a way of calming the mind, do some japa. Every day, a few minutes at least. Don't try too hard because you only get tense and screw yourself up. Be at ease. And if you can't be at ease, figure out why. That's your work. That's what the spiritual path is. It's not, it's not just, it's not wearing fancy, fancy orange clothes and shaving your head and acting like you know something. It's becoming who you are, a good human being. 
Good luck. Can I ask you one last question? Yeah, sure. When he, when Maharaji said, Jao, in 1972 or 1973 to you, mm -hmm. he said, you're going to leave now. You must be feeling the same the way I did, that I want someone to to do something because you, you lose your self-esteem. Like you, you said God is always near you. It's not away from you. And it's within. Do your work in your heart and wait for the grace to happen. First, do your job. But if you feel that, no, I don't think I'm capable enough to do that. I don't think so. I don't trust myself. Like, I don't think so. The way it happened to you, I don't think so. It will happen to me. Why are you thinking at all? Is there something wrong with you? <laughs> Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Do some japa and let go of your thinking. What did Sri Krishna say? Let your thoughts flow past you calmly. Keep me near. That means repeat the name, whatever name you want. Keep me near every moment. Trust me with your life. Right now, you trust your thoughts. You believe everything you think. That's, that's the definition of insanity believing everything you think. Why would you believe what you think? You wake up and you feel like shit. You believe that? You're no different than you were yesterday when you felt good. It's your thoughts telling you this, and you believe them. But it's not easy to stop believing them because we've been trained to believe those things. Do some practice. and Don't complain. Or I'll beat you up. Thank you. <laughs> Marunga. <laughs> Those are the words I know in Hindi. <laughs> Do you finish? Can you just say Jao to both of us? Hello, how are you? Namaste. Okay, that's Jao. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Sitaram. Hello, hello, Sitaram. So, um, just one question. Um, the moment, uh, I, I don't know, um, like, in one of your interviews, uh, you mentioned that um, when you were forced to do the Kirtan in Kenji and you didn't want to, you just wanted to play around with Maharajji and then, you know, they would just tell you to do Kirtan and then you soon started practicing that uh, while doing Hare Ram, uh, you started thinking about your girlfriend and then the way she did and all the emotions got yeah. cleaned in that way. Yeah. So, the, so uh, I regularly like not regularly, I would say, pardon me, but around a half an hour of my time, I do that Hare Krishna 23 minutes um, version of you, uh, of like you chanting and uh -huh. then, you know, all the emotions come up, but uh, it just like, I get so pissed off when it ends. The moment it ends, all the feelings of void again, you know, so the, the person who, with whom you had a chat last, he's my guru. So uh, when he has the word with me or uh, when I listen to your chants, at that time, I feel that there is something concrete in existence, in my existence though. <laughs> but uh, apart from that, 
you know all the moments all the moments of void and uh, you know what is the meaning of everything in my life it just vanishes like whatever what am i doing over here i don't even understand so when you do the chant it's the experience you had with your guru that you are enjoying like you keep reliving it again and again or his grace or what because they are very limited you know you have very limited uh, volumes i really need you to Uh, uh, chant more <laughs> so that i can chant with you <laughs> but there is very uh, you know that feeling of void doesn't go uh, off except for when it's you or my guru yeah well you born into this world you spent your whole life in your emotions and your your mind your thoughts you think just by sitting for 20 minutes a day that's all going to go away no no so but at least you found something that works for you when you do it so you keep planting those seeds and that it every every repetition of the name is a seed that we plant within us and those seeds will grow but it the whole world doesn't change in 2 seconds because you you sing a hari krishna you know but you just keep doing your practice and you try to live in a good way and you try to treat people well you try to uh become a good human being the rest of the day and don't think it doesn't change like this you know if it was that easy to change it there wouldn't be any problems in this world but all there is in this world is problems so just do your practice with sincerity and uh don't worry about what's happening in your head the rest of the day yes it's going to be a mess because it's been a mess all these years no problem that's the way it is but when you chant it makes you aware of that mess in a different way and that's different than the way it used to be which is it just was always like that and you never noticed but now that you're doing some practice you notice so that can help you make your practice deeper and also you'll notice during the day you'll remember the mantra the mantra will come back to you and that's that's so give it a couple of spins and then just get back to your work but when it comes to you unbidden that's a very good thing because there is a place within us that that mantra is going on all the time and eventually eventually we become more aware of that So there's nothing to worry about. Uh and don't judge yourself for for having thoughts and emotions and being a jerk half the time. That's okay. You're allowed. <laughs> so just just before uh, the chain chat, uh I had a 3 hour long drive from my place to my guru's place, the one with you had a chat right before my chat. So uh, in the in the moment I the entire moment I was listening to your chants. and i actually you know stopped my car uh, to to enjoy that part the baba hanuman the mm. lal langote lal nishan so that shows you have some intelligence to stop your car before you hit somebody yeah by while doing the hari i have experienced while doing hari krishna hari ram mantra uh, after completing the mantra i realized they were you know honking like like two <laughs> times in the past yeah. so i just close my eyes and then i get lost in so that so i guess thing. you're not you should pull off the road first right 
that before you so start. I, I yeah. did this thing right now. Yeah. So these the, the moments of grace, I find it very hard to retain. Then it, it's like I know it, it doesn't make sense. Definitely, you know, uh, definitely it has to be a process. But uh, so just the two books I have read in my entire life was uh, the, the Dada Mukherjee's By His Grace and Miracle of Love. So yeah. in that, you know, the various like descriptions of what Maharaji used to teach people or, you know, to like tell him to uh, follow or do like, you know, serve people, feed people. So I've been like, you know, trying to align myself in that. But apart from your uh, chance, I don't find grace uh, in the outside world. So Yeah, well, you it's okay, you know, take it easy, relax. It, this does not happen overnight. Don't be so demanding. Uh, go with the flow a little bit, relax. It's not bad, you're not, it's not a bad thing that's happening. It's just life. When you remember, you remember. When we forget, we forget, then we remember. That's the way it goes. It's okay. I mean, what? Take it easy, you know. Uh, they call it grace because it's grace, which means we don't do it. When it's right. there, it's there. When it's not there, it's not there. It's not up to us. When Maharaji wanted to run away, he ran away, and we couldn't find him. When he let us find him, we found him. But it was up to him, not us. So it's up to your true nature, your atma to pull you in when you're ready. In the meantime, just be who you are. It's okay. You're who you are for a reason. This is what right. your karma has created. No problem. Nothing wrong with that. Add the practice, add the japa to your life and allow that to ripen you. It's a ripening process. It's not a learning process. It's not a doing process. It's not up to you to do it. It's up to you to remember the name. What happens after that is up to the name, not you. So don't worry. Just be more at ease with the, with the practice and then in your life and then it won't feel so, so uh, out of control when, when you're at the rest of the day, you know? It's okay. This is just life unfolding. You're still here. You're here when you're doing japa, and you're here when you're not doing japa. So, the only difference is where your attention is. So, but because you're, you're, the vasanas of the mind are so deep and so ingrained, it takes time to change that, for that to change. That's okay. Just take it easy. Do your japa. Take it easy. Drive on the right side of the road. Pull over off the road when you want to bliss out. And then get back on the road when you finish being selfish with the Well, place. in India, the right is for overtaking. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Thanks a lot, Krishnadas. Okay. Uh, just yeah. one phrase of Baba Anuman, if you could. Jao. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks a lot. I, I, I wish to see you in India soon. Ah, if, yeah. I hope so. Please, please plan a visit. After that, I'll join your crew. I'll, I'll be moving in, so make sure there's a room for me. <laughs> oh, sure, sir. You can have all the place. <laughs> okay. Thanks, thanks sure. a lot, sir. Good. Hello. Hi.
we saw you in 2014 when we got married and now we have a young daughter so Achha, that's not my fault <laughs> <laughs> she was super excited to see you it's almost past her bedtime we have been oh. trying to Ah, and she good. recognizes your uh, chants just in, just in few seconds of it being played. So she's familiar with that. Ah, very nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we didn't have a question, but we really wanted to thank you for doing this, and ah. uh, and uh, we would love to have invite you to India. We are in Bangalore. Uh, if that's uh, ever yeah, I was supposed to be coming to Bangalore to sing, but. With all this stuff going on, hopefully later when it calms down. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. I had uh, a page full of questions, but I think you already answered all of them for me. Ah, very uh, good. Answering questions for Aditya and I think Jay and Yashkan, and I got all my answers. So my primary question was around uh, grace, and I think um, I was trying to demand it all through the journey that I've had. And I discovered your chants and your music only two months ago, and it's been um, it's been a very significant transformation, mm -hmm. probably for the lack of a better word. If I had a better word, I would use that. And um, yeah, so so I, I guess I'm just left with a with a thank you and uh, with the hope that I'll keep listening to your chants and I'll probably get an opportunity to meet you when you're in India. Yes, which part are you from? I'm in Rajasthan, but I I am based in Delhi. Okay, very good. I'm looking for this quote here. I think I found it, and I'm going to read it to you. Surrender to Him, and abide by His will whether he appears or vanishes. Await his pleasure. If you ask him to do as you please, it is not surrender, but a command to him. You cannot have him obey you and yet think that you have surrendered. He knows what is best and when to do it. Leave everything to him his is the burden. You no longer have any cares. All your cares are his. Such is surrender. This is bhakti. That's from Ramana Maharshi. So, surrender is up to him, not us. It comes by grace. So we clean our hearts, we purify, and we await His grace with a calm mind and an open heart. If we're too cranky, He's not going to come. So it's grace that makes it all okay, but it comes at His, his time, not ours. He knows what's best. We can't think that we're running the show. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Thank you for this, Katie. Great to see you. Great you to too. See Very good well. to see you. Thank you for doing this. Um, Katie, I just had one question. Huh. Although you've been talking about this already quite a bit. Um, so this is 
this is something which has come up a couple of times uh, and i've heard somebody talk about it as well so so the so the thought is uh, so while we talk about grace and uh, grace is an is an unconditional sort of something which comes your way because of the guru or the god um but there is also karma on the other side and is there how how does one understand grace in the light of karma because if there's grace and it's coming to you unconditionally does it mean there is is it unfair to a lot of people who who may not be getting the grace how yeah. do you balance karma and grace how do they both how do we understand maybe a grace better so you know maharaj used to say he used to look at us and he said i have the keys to the mind he said i have the key i could turn your minds against me and we would go baba don't do that and he would laugh <laughs> so i said to siddhima once i said ma maharaji said he has the keys to the mind which means to me that i am where he wants me to be right so i said ma if i am where he wants me to be then it's is it all grace or is my effort required she said krishna das it's all grace but you have to act like it isn't it's all grace that's the reality that's ultimate reality but we don't live in ultimate reality we live in the relative world this world samsara in this world we have rules there's things you can do there's things you can't do and there's your karmic situation that you have to deal with but if if we recognize that ultimately it's all grace that takes a little bit of the sting away of when we're going through our tough stuff our difficult stuff we just do the best we can we deal with things the best we can we make our effort the best we can but ultimately the results of our actions even our sadhana not up to us so then the state of the universe is a state of grace of a balance pure sattva but we don't live in that world we're not aware of that so we can't pretend that we do you can't think about this stuff up here and try to make it all right work in your head it's a reality that's beyond the thoughts in the mind that's just the way it is you know you can't make sense of this world on the level of the thoughts it's because we don't see we don't see who we've been in a past life we don't see who we're going to be we don't see who other people are even now we only see the outer shell so what we might think is is uh that people are victims of this and victims of that and that they don't have grace we can't know that we can imagine that we do but that's just imagination let's deal with finding out who we are and let's deal with trying to calm down our our insane minds and not try to figure this out with our with our mind it it will never help us you have to suspend that kind of thinking and because 
You just, every thought is the prison. You can't think yourself out of a prison that's made of thought. The prison is our thoughts. And we think we are who we think we are. Well, I know who I am. I was born there. I did this. I did this. This happened. That happened. Yeah, that's a very small part of the story. So one has to recognize that one is not in control of the results of our actions. All we can do in this moment is do the best we can. What happens as a result of our actions is not up to us. And really, if you really think about that, if you really start to feel that, it frees you to give yourself fully to this moment. Because what happens later is beyond us and what's already happened is done. So now, how we live our lives this moment is the most important thing. Are we going to let our thoughts destroy us every second of every fucking day? That's what we do. And if we're just going to let that happen, what do we expect? What do we expect? If we allow ourselves to, to destroy ourselves every, every minute of every day, you know, it's up to us to say, enough of this. I'm going to calm my ass down because it's up to me to live this, in this moment in the best way I can. But it's not easy. We, we, the vasanas, the tendencies of our mind, just keep going. They're like, you know, it's just like a thousand miles an hour. It's not easy to slow down. And we get angry. Why is it like this? I don't want it to be like this. That anger is creating it right there, making more problems. So you, you, one has to develop the strength to release thoughts, to release the emotions, not push them away, not deny them. It's releasing, letting go and coming back, letting go, coming back, letting go, coming back. And that's pretty much all we can do. But that purifies our hearts. In the Hanuman Chalisa, it says, Sri Guru Charana Saroja Raja, Nijumana Mukuru Sudari. I take the, the pollen-like dust from the feet of the Guru to clean the mirror of our hearts, my heart. What is that dust? It's pure love, real love, real being. It's truth, reality, consciousness, awareness, real love. That's what cleans our hearts, cleans the mirror of our hearts, so that when we look outwardly, we're actually looking into a mirror. And what we see is, reflect, is the reflection. So if there's dust all over the mirror, what do we see? Dust. And it looks like we see individuals, we see suffering, we see all kinds of things. When the, heart, when the mirror of the heart is cleaner, when we look into the mirror, we see a clear reflection of, of reality. So the dust on the mirror is our shame, our guilt, our fear, our anger, our selfishness. All our great stuff that we love so much that we can never let go of. All our ideas of right and wrong, all our righteousness, which is based really on 
self-hatred because we don't love ourselves as we are. We overcompensate and we get angry at things, the way things develop. And we keep spinning around and around and around. Some practice is required to calm down. That's all. If you don't do it, you don't do it. Fine, you don't do it. What can happen? Nothing. Maharaji said, he said, constant repetition of God's name, even without feelings of devotion, in anger, in lethargy, brings out his grace. Once this is understood, things change. So you don't have to feel anything special. You don't have to manipulate your emotions. There's no right and wrong in practice. You simply do the practice and you live your life. And gradually, but inevitably, that practice changes us from the inside. It changes the way we see things. It changes the way we react to things. Not here, in here. It, and eventually, things that we uh, were scary, they don't look so scary. Things that were desirable don't look so good. Things that look ugly don't look so ugly. Things change for us. The way we go through our day starts to change. But you don't get to pat yourself on the back about that and go like, wow, I'm really doing good now. Things are changing. Because it's the evaluator that's getting thinned out, the judger, the one that's judging us, ourselves, which is getting dissolved. So life changes, but you don't necessarily notice it. That's the weird part. Because if you notice it, you just get a bigger ego about it, which makes it worse again. You can see these people with big spiritual egos. They shine so brightly because they're spending all their time polishing themselves up, you know. That's not what it's about. You know, one of Maharaji's great old devotees, Dada Mukherjee, uh, it was in, we were, long after Maharaji had left the body, it was in 89, we were in Allahabad for the, the Mahakum. It was the 12th, the 144th year, 12th, 12th. So we were going to be staying at, a, at the Kumbh site with a, this old Baba that we knew, this great old Baba. But before we went to Dada's house in Allahabad to spend some time with him. So on the day we were supposed to leave, that Baba sent one of his disciples to guide us to his camp at the Mela. And this guy, this disciple was a real jerk. And he walks into the house like this, like he's God on earth, you know, and he's disrespectful to Dada, who was his elder. And he was just so full of himself, like it was horrible. Dada took one look at this guy and he grabbed me by the arm and he dragged me into Maharaji's room and he closes the door. And he reaches down under this uh, almira and he pulls out this old rusty key and he opens, unlocks the door, opens the door, reaches down at the bottom shelf and he pulls out something wrapped up in old newspaper and he unwraps it and it's this funky, dirty, old aluminum, cheap aluminum lota, you know? And he holds it up in front of my face. He says, Krishna Das, 
do you see? Do you see? And I'm going like, okay, Dada, no, I don't see. Do you see? No, Dada, I don't see. He said, this is what Maharaji left for me. The last time he was here, when he left, he left his lota behind. Do you see? And I'm looking at this piece of crap, this dusty old piece of crap. And I said, no, Dada, I don't see. He just looks at me and says, you don't have to shine. And he takes it, wraps it up, puts it back, closes the thing, locks it, hides the key, and leaves me standing there. You don't have to shine. You don't have to shine. It's not about shining. How much of do we do in our lives that we're shining ourselves up to make ourselves more attractive to other people, to ourselves, and on and on and on. That's not about that. It's about becoming a good human being. And how do we do that? You find a way. You don't have to shine. Everybody wants to shine. What to do? Good to see you shining so nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kitty. Thank you. Be well. Love you. You too. Take care. Namaste, Kitty. Hello. Hello. I'm joining in from Connecticut, but my family is also joining in from Mumbai. Okay, you're allowed then. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, we had a chance to visit uh, Kenshi last year. And we saw this section of the temple, um, uh, which was, had many pictures of Siddhima. It was really beautiful. And I know very little about her. Uh, you mentioned, you know, a story, but I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about who Siddhima was. Um, I wish I knew. You know, Maharaji said that she was actually a manifestation of Durga. And he had to come to the hills because she was there. And when people asked him, like, who is she? He said, if I can't find out who she is, how can I tell you? Uh, she was the perfect devotee. She was completely surrendered. She was merged in Maharaji. Um, and she hid herself even better than he hid himself. She just seemed to disappear. Uh, and whenever anyone asked her to bless them, she said, no, you just ask Maharaji. I don't know, you know, you have to ask him. She very rarely uh, she never thought of herself as the doer. She knew that everything was Maharaji. He was doing everything. But she was an incredible being. And she, she took care of all the, the devotees for only many years until two, two years ago, I guess, right? Is it two? When she left the body, since 1973. Huh? 2017. 2017? December. 17, wow. 18, 19, 20, three years, three plus. Yeah, so she was there. Uh, he had said to her that when a, a saint leaves his body, the temples become his body. So she used to treat the temple, Kenchi, as if it was Maharaji's own body. And 
when she was there, it was spotless. Everything was kept so clean, so spotless. Everything worked well. It was, uh, she, she, she treated everything with that kind of love and passionate respect. And, um, yeah. And she never promoted herself. One time, uh, some Westerners invited her to come to a, a conference of uh, women, women teachers, spiritual teachers. And she said, I'm not a spiritual teacher. I'm just a devotee of Maharaji. You know, and she meant it. There's a lot of people who say those things who you know, are secretly fishing for uh, for respect, and but she was not like that. It was, uh, yeah, she really, she saved my life twice, absolutely, completely. And she never, she barely let on that she knew what was happening, but she she did it all. She and Maharaji. Many times she would, like when we were going to Badranath once, she, she was saying to us, it's a very dangerous ride, you should do Hanuman Chalice. And she kind of like, okay, never mind, you're covered. It's like I could just see Maharaja saying, ah, they're okay, don't leave them alone. They don't have to do anything. <laughs> so maybe, uh, maybe someday a book will come out about her. I don't know. There's only one person who could write that book. I don't know if she's even thinking about it. We'll see. Thank you. Yeah. We are so fond of you. We are so blessed to even be here. We have been chanting to your uh, chants for almost five years now. That's we so met awesome. you earlier this Feb in the Garrison Institute, New York. Uh, it was a very blissful evening. Ah. So you answered a lot of the questions, questions we that already had. we had. Uh, the one thing that I do want to ask is with the current climate, so much is going on. Uh, there is a lot of ups and downs that everybody goes through in a day, in a week, be it you listen to the news, a friend, whatever. Um, so when we do the chant, like personally, when I do the chant, you feel so immersed. Nothing seems to bother you at all. That's, and, that's your version of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, at least that's how, you know, it, it definitely chanting has been the kind of decompressing uh, thing. So how, what do you think would, like, has Maharaji ever talked to you about, how do you deal with this roller coaster called life? There is never a straight line. There's so many uncertainties, which, you know, it's, we are in the thick of it. We're seeing a lot of uncertainty. So how do you get to grasp with so, so much being so transient? How, what was the last thing you said? How do you how do you deal with everything being so transient or uncertain? You just do the best you can. You, you keep doing your practice and you, you do it with sincerity and wholeheartedly. And then you go out and then you just, you take that with you as you go through your day. You know, you can't help but have reactions to things and be upset by things. And, but if you, you understand that your job is to let go of that, you still have to act in the world and, and do things. But uh, you just try to do them the best way you can, that's all. 
Uh, and the strength to do that comes from your, the depth of whatever connection you have. If you're trying to... You can't calm the waves of the ocean down you know, with your hands. You, know, you have to really you stand there strong and let them come up against you and then they gradually calm down. Because if you push back, it just makes more waves. So you go with what you can, you do the best you can, and when you, you go crazy for a while, you recognize it, and then you, you're back. So everybody forgets, everybody remembers. That's the point, you know, so. Uh, you can't, we can't protect ourselves from daily life. We're in it. And if we do try to protect ourselves, we, we, we will recognize that that's because we're afraid. What are we afraid of? We're afraid we're going to get lost. We're going to be afraid that blah, 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 a million things. So it's the fear that's the problem, not the stuff itself. So the more, the, the more faith one has in one's own ability to calm down and reconnect, then there's less fear. But it's not, even if you think, okay, I'm connecting to this guru or to that deity or to God, where is the connection happening? Here. Right? So you develop confidence that you can go through the day, and even if you get totally wiped out, you come back. It's inevitable. We're going to get wiped out every day. We lose it. But we come back. Because, as Krishna says, let your thoughts flow past you calmly. Keep me near at every moment. We, we need to remember that he's always inside it. He's always within us. He's our true nature. He is the Atma. So, but we don't, we, don't know, we don't know that in a deep enough way. Through practice and japa and, and treating people well, we will get to, to know that in a deeper way. So in the meantime, we just do the best we can. And you don't worry about it. What's the problem? Sabi pagal hai, kya baat? I just want to um, say something that I happened to me, uh, similar to a person saying earlier. I used to drive uh, two, three hours uh, one direction uh, for my job every day. So I used to sing um, your bhajans. Um, so most of the times uh, I'll start crying for some no reason. It will be really blissful. Uh, sometimes I'll stop in the corner <laughs> to finish that. Um, I'm so really have, um, thankful that uh, you got to know your um, so many thanks for that. Yeah. We hold on to your chants as our guideline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hold on gently. That's all. <laughs> if you hold on too tight, you squeeze it to death. You know, just hold it gently. Yeah, yeah. That's all. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank, you. thank you, Katie. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity you gave us to listen to you. Uh, it's my pleasure to give you an opportunity to look at me. Oh. <laughs> and Katie, uh, they say that when uh, Love and Kush, they sang Ram's life in, huh. in front of him. In the end, they said that they were really lucky that they got an opportunity to sing his life in front of him. Huh. We got this opportunity 
today we are so lucky to say Ram Ram to Ram sitting in front of us. But we know you and Maharaji are not different. So please, you know, we are so lucky today to actually we've got an opportunity here to sit in front of Ram and do the Namaskaram of Ram Ram. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank you for everything. We had an opportunity to shoot live in Rishikesh once and it was unreal. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you, you so for much. telling me something that I didn't know. That... You know everything. You know, like Maharaji, <laughs> I'm sure you know everything. Well, as, like... at least you know that I know. That's the best thing. You keep knowing that and I'll just relax then. Be sure that you know everything. Thank you, sir. Thank you for everything. Okay. And Ram Ram. Ram, 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 Ram thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Ciao. Hello. Hello. Okay. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure and honor to listen to your beautiful and wise words. And um, I truly want to express my gratitude um, for this opportunity. And maybe if you shed some more light on surrender, you mentioned surrender several times. And at times when control is something we strive to have and achieve, um, maybe control seems to be the opposite of surrender, but maybe it is not. So maybe what, you what kind of control, what do you mean when you say control? You know, for example, letting go of your thoughts or controlling not to have the mind controlling you or um, <laughs> committing and having the discipline. So it's all mind games in a way. And so uh, surrender stood out, and it would be great to hear more from you on, uh, on that. You know, the situation is that we are not in control of the fruits of our actions. We, we're barely have much say in terms of how we even go through the day. Mostly we go through the day just reacting about this, reacting about that. So surrender is the recognition. You know, many years ago when I was in Vrindavan with Maharaji, I was walking in the street and I stepped in a hole and I snapped my leg. And when I woke up in the morning, my knee was out to here. It was all swollen. I could barely walk. So I thought I had to go to Matra to the hospital or something because it was really bad. Now, in those days, we were, uh, we were not supposed to come to the temple until four in the afternoon. Maharaja told us not to come until then. But it was early in the morning and my leg was really bad. And I thought, I'm going to have to go to the doctor, but I'll stop at the temple and I'll just tell Maharaji that I'm... I won't be there later because I'm going to the doctor. So got to the, the temple and we walked in and my friend helped me walk. I couldn't walk, so I was leaning on my friend. And there I am, I limp into the courtyard and he's all alone, sitting on the tucket in the middle of the courtyard. One, one devotee was with him. I pranam and I sit down and I had to keep my leg out in front of me underneath the, the tucket because I couldn't bend my knee. He didn't say anything, right? Nothing. He just sat there. And 
He didn't even say, why did you come so early? Nothing. After a few minutes, he gets up and he takes the devotee's hand and he walks towards the back of the temple. And the further away he got from where he was sitting, he started like this, leaning on the guy like he could barely walk, you know. And it was like, like this. And I thought, oh, he's taking on the karma of my knee, right? The minute I had that thought, he turned around and he ran back to the tucket. And he sits down and he goes, you thought I was in pain? You wanted to help me? And he petted me on the head, you know. So later that day, we were sitting around and some other Westerners had come. So he, he reached down into this woman's jola and he pulls out a Bible. A Bible. Because he used to talk to us about Jesus all the time. So we thought, well, we better read about this guy. So some of us had some Bibles. So he pulls out this woman's Bible and he opens it like this and he said, read this. He didn't even look at the book. He just opened it, read this. So I took the book and I read it, and it was, uh, in order to uh, protect me from the abundance, from pride, for the, because of the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the side. And I asked the Lord three times to take, take it from me. But the Lord replied, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. My strength is made perfect in the fact that you can't do shit to help yourself. So, that, you know, and he wasn't, first of all, he wasn't supposed to read it, be able to read English or even speak English, and he certainly didn't even look at the book. So Ramdas and I have talked about this a lot over the years. What, what does this mean? It means that we think we are doing it. That's just what we think. Actually, we're not able to do anything except offer ourselves to some degree, surrender to some degree. It's the Lord that's doing everything. And the and when we recognize that our egos are incapable of selfless service, because we, it's a self ego, the small s self. When we recognize that we're not capable of really even surrendering, that's when God's strength is made perfect in our inability to do anything, really, to help ourselves. The recognition of that is surrender. We still do what we do, but we don't expect that we're running the show. It's not something you have to convince yourself of. It's actually reality, which we can experience directly and will experience directly within ourselves as we ripen as souls. Surrender happens by grace. We don't surrender. Ramana Maharshi used to say, asking the mind to kill the mind is like asking the thief to be the policeman. There'll be a lot of investigation. No arrest will ever be made. So it's like that. 
the illusion that we're the doer, that's an illusion. But, and we believe that. So, inside of that delusion, like Siddhima said, it's all grace, but you have to act like it isn't. That's all. You have to do your, you have to develop your muscles. If you want to sit up, if you want to walk, if you want to do anything, you need some muscle power. And the muscle that we have to develop is the letting go muscle. It's not the pushing away muscle. It's not the, the denying muscle. It's simply letting go again and again of our beliefs, of our thoughts, of the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. Again and again, let go, come back to the name. Let go, come back to the name. Let go, come back to the name. Again and again. Every time, every repetition of the name is a seed that is planted within us. And those seeds will grow at their own speed. Not, they don't listen to us. Grow faster, grow faster. They don't do that. They grow at their own rate. All we can do is plant the seeds. And how you plant a seed is very important. Is it you plant it deep enough? Do you water it? Do you make sure nobody steps on it? This is our motivation. Are we doing these practices with sincerity, with wholeheartedness? Do we understand that this is about becoming a good human being, not being some kind of God? Let us find out who we are first, and then we'll know everything. So it's like that, he said. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. You know, everything I say is kind of my opinion. So don't take it as the gospel truth. It's just, it's, it's my experience so far this life. That's all. If it's helpful, that's good. I'm happy. If it's not, don't worry about it. You, you still have to find your own way. We all have to find our own way. We're just trying to help each other get down the road, that's all. If it's helpful, that's good. But don't think if you don't agree with me, there's something wrong with you. It's, it's just your thing, it's okay. You don't need to agree with me. But uh, it's just my experience. My friend Bernie Glassman, who was a great Zen master, you know, they always talk about Buddha's four noble truths, the four truths of existence, you know. Bernie used to call them the four noble opinions. Because if it's a truth, he said, you can't even talk about it. But if it's an opinion, yeah, we can discuss. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. Well, it's been great hanging out with you. I hope... Uh, it's been wonderful to see you all and be with you. Uh, please uh, keep chanting, keep remembering the name. Become good, be good human beings. Treat people well. Treat yourselves well. And uh, hopefully we uh, we meet again down the road somewhere. Okay. Ram Ram, take good care. Bill Melinge, Sadhu. 
Thank you so much for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Kirtan Mala Foundation. Krishnadas is renowned for leading Kirtan, the spiritual practice of chanting, and workshops around the world. For more information about him, including upcoming events, please visit krishnadas.com. K-R-I-S-H-N-A-D-A-S.com. We also invite you to visit kirtanwalafoundation.org. K-I-R-T-A-N-W-A-L-L-A-H foundation.org. Here you will find more offerings dedicated to spreading the teachings of Neem Karoli Baba. Love everyone, serve everyone. Remember God. Ram Ram.